going to begin reading with verse number 12. Second Corinthians chapter number 2. We're going to begin reading with verse number 12. Reads like this, furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit because I found not Titus, my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one, we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other, the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we of Christ. I want to use verse number 14. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. I want to preach to you on being triumphant in ministry. Being triumphant in ministry. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And I pray, Lord, that you'll speak to our heart by your spirit. I just ask that you'll help us, like was testified, to move, to respond in obedience and the prompting of the Holy Ghost, God, to move out. What we preached about this morning an unequaled, unmatched, unrivaled worship, devotion, sincerity to your spirit. Father, I pray for a revival of our love towards you. God, to be rebirthed, renewed, rekindled, refired in every heart and in every life. Meet us around this altar. Let tonight be a miraculous night around this altar. I pray, oh God, somebody will be revived. Somebody will be healed. Somebody will be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Oh God, would you meet with us by the power and the reality of your spirit. We ask it together in Jesus' name. If you love him, would you say amen? Amen. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. Amen. I, I want to talk to you about that triumph in Christ. The Apostle Paul is describing the picture of a Roman march of triumph. He was a, uh, he was a Roman citizen as well as a Jew. His mother was a Jew and his father was a Roman citizen. So he held Roman citizenship but he was a, a Jew 
in his upbringing according uh, to his faith and when the Lord saved him. But being a Roman citizen, he knew much about, and if you follow the Apostle Paul's writings in all of his epistles, he oftentimes used the analogy of, of growing up in Rome, whether it was watching athletes compete or soldiers in warfare. And in this case, it is a military description. The word triumphant, uh, what, it, what it reads in the Greek is this. Now thanks be unto God who forever leads us in a triumphant procession in Christ. And what he is describing is a picture of a Roman troop, a Roman battalion marching in from the battlefield and they have been victorious. That's what he's describing. Conquerors would return from the battlefield and if they return victorious, they brought in priests and they would wave an incense, a, a, a little burning lamp with incense on it and they would go before the procession waving that incense, the smoke would rise up and being burned could be seen and smelled all over the city. The victors rode in in chariots and the vanquished and defeated foes or enemies would be chained to the chariot in tow behind them. And Paul is viewing those that were engaged in ministry, you and I, followers of Jesus Christ. He's speaking to the church in Corinth. He's viewing us that are engaged in the ministry of the gospel as the victors. We're triumph. Thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Jesus Christ. It actually reads, thanks be unto God, which forever leads us in a triumphant procession, a triumphant march and entry into every city in which we walk in Christ Jesus. You are the victors and not the victims. You are the triumph and not the defeated. Amen. We're more than conquerors, the Bible said, through him that loved us. And so the victors riding in chariots bringing in chains behind them, you know, chained to the chariots, those who had been uh, uh, defeated. And Paul's viewing us uh, that are engaged in ministry as the victors in our text, uh, viewing their ministry, or better said tonight, our ministry work uh, as a triumphant march uh, with those who have been mastered, those who have been won, those who have been triumphed over accompanying that, that train of chariots from behind. These marches had two kinds of prisoners. I, I studied this in commentary. When you followed a Roman procession, a victory march into the city with prisoners in tow, they, they brought with them two kinds of prisoners. And the first prisoner they called a commended prisoner. And a commended prisoner were men and women who had accepted the fact their country, their nation has been conquered. I have been conquered, or the nation that I live in, and now I have a new king that is going to lord over my nation. 
and I will freely, gladly, and lovingly submit my life to his authority. He is the new ruling and governing king in my life, and I'm going to embrace him. Man, you can see how that pertains to Christ, can't you? Amen. Uh, thanks be unto God who forever leads us in a triumphant procession in Christ. And Christ ever leads us in this triumphant procession. These prisoners would then be, these commended prisoners would then be released as new citizens of Rome. In turn, they had to become bond servants serving their new conquering master out of reverence and love. They didn't walk around in chains. Uh, they gave their allegiance, their pledge of allegiance to the new conquering king of Rome, and they were gladly his servants and gladly his citizens. You and I are gladly servants uh, under righteousness, the Bible said, bond servants uh, unto the Lord. Why? Because Christ uh, has triumphed. Christ has conquered us. Uh, when he convicted us of our sin and showed us that we were hellbound uh, and lost and needed a Savior, we at once yielded our heart and life unto him and said, I will gladly surrender my heart to you. I will gladly live my life for you. I will gladly go and serve you and do your will. I'm yours. I'm yours. That's what he's talking about in Romans 6 and verse number 16. It reads like this. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey his servants? Uh, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death uh, or of obedience uh, unto righteousness. In verse 18, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were servants, were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit have you then in those things whereof ye are now shamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. Can you imagine living in a nation under a wicked, ungodly, unruly king who lorded over you in terror and in tyranny? That's a picture of Satan. And can you imagine Satan being vanquished, Satan being defeated, Satan being conquered? And he was at Calvary. And all of a sudden there's a new king, a new ruler in town. And you find out he rules in righteousness. He rules in love. He rules in mercy. He wants you to serve him not because he's going to lash your back with a whip. He wants you to serve him so that you'll understand he loves you and wants to be good to you. You can understand how that were the case and, and, uh, and, and these soldiers said look uh, we, we've won the battle 
And now you can either be a citizen of Rome or you'll be an enemy of Rome. What's it going to be? There were some commended servants, commended slaves that said, thanks be to God. Thank God somebody finally put that evil man out of power. We'll gladly go with you. We'll gladly serve you. We'll gladly be citizens of your country. That's what it is to be born again. Amen. I'd rather live this life than any other life I know of. You know what my plan for my life was? To be a pro baseball player. And without injury, I fully believe that that's what I would have done. But do you know God had a greater plan for my life? Do you know God triumphed over what the enemy had for my life? The Lord won me over. And now it is my glad destiny to serve God. It is my overjoyed fulfillment in life to stand behind the pulpit and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Baseball's a game. You know, just like Monopoly. Just like one of those video games that the young people like to play. The outcome of it means absolutely nothing. But this is life. This is reality. It's not only life, but it's abundant life. It's the best life. It brings you joy. It brings you peace. It brings you victory. This will keep your marriage together. This will clothe you. This will feed you. This will provide for you. This will do for you what nobody or nothing else can. This is real victory. I got a championship ring that stays in the drawer of my bedroom. My finger's too fat to even wear it now, but it represented a lifetime of hard work and commitment and dedication on a ball field that culminated in a state championship. But you know what it means to me now? Gone are the youthful glory days. I'm, that's nothing that's not a part of my life. It'll never help me win the victory over the devil. The devil don't care what you've achieved in the world. It's not what I've achieved. It's what Christ achieved. It's his victory. It's his triumph. I'm walking in it. I'm living in it. And it's going to carry me into glory one day. Amen. These marches had two kinds of people. Two kinds of prisoners. A commended prisoner. Men and women who had accepted their being captured and were glad to go with their new master and conqueror. These prisoners would be released, become new citizens of Rome. They were made bond servants, serving their new master out of reverence and love. And that's you and I. That's a picture of us. Many of these prisoners were taken from wicked and impoverished lands now having been conquered, taken captive, apprehended, they rejoice to be citizens of a new country. And then there was another group of prisoners, not commended prisoners, but they were called condemned prisoners. Those that were condemned to die because of refusing to submit to their new king and their new sovereign, their new lord. When we preach, teach, or witness, there are going to be those who submit to Jesus Christ and obey the gospel. Right. Right. 
Preach because somebody will believe it. Preach because somebody will accept it. Preach somebody, somewhere, some of the time will be delivered. Preach because somebody, somewhere, some of the time is going to be healed. Preach because somebody, somewhere, some of the time is going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not up to me who accepts, who believes, or who refuses and rejects. I'm simply called to preach. Amen. Listen, when we preach, teach, or witness in our everyday walk, there's going to be somebody who submits to Christ obeys the gospel and there's going to be many who reject it. And in so doing will condemn themselves to death. Listen to what the Lord said. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Don't discriminate between rich and poor. Don't discriminate between male and female. Don't discriminate uh, between ethnicity and ethnicity. Preach the gospel to every creature that you come in contact with. And listen to this. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. That's the Lord's doing. I'm to preach it, and God does the saving, and if they reject They'll bring damnation upon themselves. The servant of God brings with with himself or herself not only commended prisoners, but also condemned prisoners. Your life is a testimony, is a ministry. And when you get into heaven, it's going to be a heavenly procession walking down streets of gold and you're going to bring with you either commended prisoners or condemned. Do you know, they said, show us a sign. He said, there'll be no sign given you but the sign of the prophet Jonah. He said, three days and three nights in a whale's belly. I'm going to be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Uh, he said, I want to tell you, a greater than Jonah's here and you won't believe. He said, they repented at Jonah's preaching and a greater than Jonah's here. He said, it's going to be rough for you on the day of judgment because the men of Nineveh are going to rise up against you and say, we repented. What was your problem? Amen. There's going to be people that the Bible said that men who believed, men who repented, men that obeyed are going to be called to rise up in judgment. And say, we repented at the preaching of the gospel. You heard the same gospel and rejected it. One group's going to be commended, well done, enter thou in. The other group's going to be saying... Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, into everlasting fire created for the devil and his angels. The servant of God brings with him or her not only commended prisoners, but also condemned prisoners. In either case, uh, this triumphant victory, this triumphant procession is celebrated. And the victorious Lord is then glorified. Do you know about this triumphant Freedom in Jesus Christ. 
Are you a commended prisoner tonight or a condemned prisoner? Do you know Christ as your conquering King and Lord? Are you a bond servant? Do you serve Him because you love Him? Not because your parent or grandparent is asking you to do it by force. Uh, do you only know in your spiritual walk condemnation? When the Holy Ghost moves, uh, this is the only thing you feel conviction? That was my young Teenage from childhood all the way through my teenage years when the Holy Ghost moved and he moved often. He moved frequently. When he moved, I only knew condemnation. I only knew conviction. Oh, Lord, don't come tonight. I'm not ready. Oh, Lord, don't let the rapture take place now. I'm not ready. Oh, Lord, don't let me die in this stupor that I'm in. I'm not ready to die yet. Oh, my God, but what a change. What a change when once we surrender to our conquering Lord and King, give our lives to Him, submit to His will. If the Lord wants to come back tonight, even so come Lord Jesus. I don't care who's going to win the Super Bowl. You can come on, Lord. I don't care how the NBA season's going to wind up. You can come tonight. I'll let the bucks walk, Lord. It's time for them to start moving, but you can come tonight. I live for him. I live for him. Listen, many of these prisoners taken from a wicked king in a wicked land. Amen. But now they rejoice. They're citizens of a new country. They are bond servants. They don't live under condemnation. They live under the law of the spirit of life. In Christ Jesus, which has made them now free <laughs> from the law of sin and death. Amen. Amen. John 3 and 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. You can be led by Christ in his glorious procession of victory over Satan, over death, over hell, and over the grave. From Calvary all the way to the throne, this life of living for Jesus, being a witness, preaching the gospel, going where he'd have us to go, give when he calls for us to give, do what he asks of us to do. From Calvary all the way to glory, the apostle Paul said, this is a triumphant procession in Jesus Christ. We're marching behind the throne of the chariot of the conquering king, gladly, gladly, gladly proclaiming ourselves citizens of a new country. Listen to what he talks to in verses 15 and 16. Turn back there. Verses 15 and 16. It reads like this. I lost my spot. 
lost it, brother Daniel. Read it for me. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. Amen. In these triumphant processions, the priests would carry burning lamps of incense. I've already stated that. They waved them back and forth. And the scent of the incense would carry all over the city. And everybody rejoiced at the sweet smell of victory. When, that, when those troops come back in and those priests were waving that incense, they knew it meant one thing. They won. They won. They are victor. The incense was telling them the outcome of the battle. Do you know what Sister Darlene getting up out of that recliner? Those hands shaking back and forth. That hoop shout she was doing. Whoa! You know what that was? A, a sweet smelling savor under our God. Hallelujah, Sister Nancy. Shouting me down while I was preaching this morning. I could hear shouting from the back pew. Do you know what that was? A sweet smelling savor under God. Amen. What that says to the world and what it says to the enemy. Christ has won the victory in their life. That's victorious praise. That's victorious, triumphant worship unto God. Amen. It's the sharing of the fragrance of Christ. Amen. They were won. They were captured. And then they were commanded to follow behind the chariot. And they would be walking in the fragrance and the aroma of victory. Amen. We too as priests, the Bible said we're kings and priests unto our God. We too as priests unto God should give off a sweet smell of victory in our life. Verse 14 says, and maketh manifest the savor. The word savor means fragrance or smell. And maketh manifest the fragrance or smell of his knowledge in every place. Hallelujah to God. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ as Lord and as an ointment of myrrh and frankincense. Uh, you know the first time you see in, in the book of Genesis uh, a, a, a sacrifice, not the able sacrifice the Bible said that God had respect to, but when Noah got off of that ark uh, and he had been saved by grace. Uh, you say, hey, what do you mean Noah was saved by grace? He didn't live under the law. Noah didn't live under the law. There was no law. The Bible said Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he was moved. The Bible said by faith he moved with fear and built an ark to the saving of his household. And when he got off of that ark, he was so eternally grateful to God. You have saved my soul. You have saved my precious wife. You have saved my boys. You have saved their wife. My God, I feel, I feel the joy of it. When that man of God stepped off the gangplank of that ark, he was glad to be saved. He said, I brought seven of every clean beast with me on that ark. 
bring some of them out here. We're going to make an altar and we're going to thank God for being saved. And the Bible said when he built an altar and made a sacrifice, that went up a sweet smelling savor unto God. Hallelujah to God. When you throw those saved hands up in the air, when you lift your voice, when you cry loud, there still goes up a sweet smelling savor unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't like all that shouting. I know you don't. Under them that are saved, it's a sweet smelling savor of life. Under life. But the Bible said under them that don't believe, it's a savor of death. Under death. Amen. Listen, we exalt the name of Christ as our Lord. He's like an ointment of myrrh and frankincense. We extend the fame of our Lord. That's what the Scripture says in verse 14, in every place, out of every kindred, out of every tribe, out of every tongue and nation. Do you know he included Foley, Alabama in that verse? We extend the fame of our Lord by us in every place. There is a sweet smelling savor tonight in the city of Foley, in the state of Alabama, in the county of Baldwin, God Almighty has a witness that Jesus Christ is on the throne and that he triumphed over every principality, over every sin, over every sickness and disease. And God says, wave your incense. Amen. Tell somebody this is what victory is. Glory to God. This is what victory is. Amen. And to the condemned, the Bible said this savor, this fragrance was a sin of death unto death. Listen, they hate our Lord's victory. They hate our Lord's triumph at Calvary. They hate his kingdom. They hate his law. They hate his people and they hate the smell of it. When those that were conquered that didn't want to be conquered smelt the same aroma that the commended prisoners smelt. To the commended, whoa, I just started living. I found me a brand new life. Oh, hallelujah to God. Things are looking up. Things are looking better. I'm serving the Lord now. Life isn't misery, tyranny, or bondage. Life is liberty and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. But to those that were in rebellion, whenever that incense was being waved back and forth, I hate shouting. I hate speaking in tongues. I hate them people always gathering in church, singing them songs, preaching and shouting and sweating and kicking. I hate all of that. It's a savor of death under death. Why is it death under them? Because they're walking in condemnation. Amen. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. 
Every name not found written in the Lamb's book of life, the Bible said was cast into the lake of fire. That's her own doing. That's her own doing. Listen, verse number 17, read it for me, Brother Daniel. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. Listen, not only do we give off the sweet scent, the sweet aroma of victory, but we show the faithfulness of God in Christ when we walk in victory. Faithfulness, number one on our part, to the message of the gospel. He said, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. One thing, I'd rather quit preaching and listen to me. Make no mistake for the preacher that decides I quit. There's too much drama in this place for me. I quit. Woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Woe is me if I had life and refused to share it. What if I had the antidote for cancer? Let's say cancer was created in a laboratory. And what if somebody had the antidote for it that could cure cancer? Nobody would ever die from it again if they took the vaccine or the antidote and gave them antibodies that would kill cancer cells. What if you had the antidote and wouldn't share it? And old so-and-so's grandma just died horrible death with cancer and somebody told her hey your grandma just died with cancer he's got the he's got the antidote and a bottle over in the lab where he works but they make more money off of people getting sick with cancer and treating them every day for x amount of years they don't want you to have the cure but they got the cure you know what she would do she would spit in your face y'all don't believe that what if I had to cure the answer to any disease and your baby had it? And you say, hey, Brother Eddie, why don't you share the antidote so that my child could be with No, they're paying me. The world is, is paying me to keep it in this bottle because they make money off of you going to the doctors. And I better not share that. You know what you would do? You would hate my guts when your child died. You would call me a monster. And this world, when they find out that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that there's only one God and Jehovah is his name. There's only one way to heaven and it's through Christ Jesus. And that the church had the answer. But we were so afraid of not being accepted by the world that we wouldn't give them the answer. They're going to hate your guts. They are. 
what you spent your whole life trying to get to love you is going to hate you forever in eternity. Listen, he said we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. We follow the train of Christ. We're chained to, the, to his chariot. We have submitted our allegiance and our loyalty to him. We burn with the Holy Ghost, which gives off a sweet smelling fragrance in every place. And the word corrupt there. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God. The word, you look it up in the Strong's Concordance. Uh, the word corrupt in the Greek means a huckster. I had to look that up. I didn't know what that meant. To retail an adulterated or a corrupt product. A retailer that diluted or watered down his wine to make it stretch or last longer so that he could gain more profit from it. He was a huckster or he was corrupt in his dealings with men. Listen, the Lord said to me, we are not of them that watered down the word for gain or for money or for fame or for promotion. This Bible is pure. It's pure in its doctrine. It's pure in its meaning. It's pure in God's intention. If you're lost, the intention of the gospel is to prove you are a sinner. To prove you a rebel against God. To prove you hell bound. And once you are, if you'll be conquered by this Christ, you can be born again. But unless you're born again, you'll never get into the kingdom of God. That's the pure intention of the word. This word's not to make me rich. This word is not to make you my buddy. This word is not to promote my ministry. Ministry is to find me an out. We don't water it down for money or fame or promotion. The apostle said, if we are an angel, come preaching any other gospel than that that we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. The word there means let him be damned. Many shall depart from the faith, he told Timothy. And shall be turned unto fables. As long as I walk in the train of our Lord's triumph, we need not water down or corrupt this gospel. Faithfulness to the ministry of the gospel. Amen. Faithfulness to the message of the gospel. And then faithfulness to the ministry of the gospel. He talked about sincerity. Read again, Brother Daniel. In verse 17. For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God speak we in Christ. We don't corrupt the word of God, but we as of sincerity. The word sincerity means clearness and purity. In the name of God and in the eyes of God. It means this, literally, Strong's Concordance said that it means uh, serving God as if we see him watching our actions. Yes. Woo! Serving God as of sincerity. Serving God like he's watching what I'm doing. Yes. 
Glory to God. Because in case you didn't know, He is watching. Glory to God. I don't care if you pastor five, fifty, five hundred, or five thousand. He's watching if your ministry has been carried out in sincerity. And only then will he say, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Good and sincere servant. The same commit thou unto faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Some preachers think if they're readily accepted, this is my, this is my commentary. Not... Strong's or Matthew Henry. This is what God gave me in my notes. Some preachers think if they're readily accepted by the world that that means they or their church is relevant. That that is what relevance is. One of my youth pastors from way back when I was a teenager. He's in the AG. I'm in the AG. I love him. When I was a teenage boy, you know, he made marks in my, upon my life. He inspired me to live for God, though I, I didn't. He was one that I held on a pedestal and looked up to. And uh, I would go to church, and they would make over me because I pitched. I threw a no-hitter. Man, they'd recognize me in church. I had church one time. I was unsaved. They stood and gave me a standing O. I threw a, a, a one-hit shutout in the playoffs. We went on to win the state championship, and they stood and gave me a, a, a standing ovation. They, they'd make over me. I wasn't saved. Though I, I, I have to admit, I went to church. I played the part. That they didn't understand. I wasn't born again. I was in love with the world, living like the world. I was anything but sincere. But he's, I'm old, I'm 50. He's older. <laughs> I know some of you that are 70 are saying, you ain't old. <laughs> well, I'm just thinking in terms of being 20. <laughs> I can remember when I was a little boy, my dad, I was in the back seat, my dad was in his 30s, and I was thinking, man, he's old. <laughs> I'm 50 now. He, he wasn't so old anymore. Amen. But look, he's older now, and things have changed a whole lot from the time I was a boy to now, especially in the church. Everybody that's been in church for a while said, Amen. He made the statement on social media. He's talking to guys like me. He said, if you're not willing to change with the times, he said, then prepare yourself to be irrelevant. I got an old saying. And I'll tell you, I'm going to let y'all into some secret lingo between Brother Corey and I. I don't talk like this to everybody, but I might as well from now on because I'm telling you what I say in secret. <laughs> When I get it up to here spiritually, and usually it takes preachers to get me up to here spiritually, I can handle people, you know, 
that don't know any better. But when a guy's got an ordination and supposed to be a leader in the church and makes statements like that, I feel about it the same way Jesus did when he had to deal with Pharisees and scribes and lawyers that were supposed to be experts in the Word of God. I told Brother Corey when I read that, I said, that makes me want to spit, kick rocks, and throw my credentials at him. My former pastor, who was his pastor at the time, he was my pastor, and this he was my youth pastor, so his former pastor, my former pastor, but they were pastor and youth pastor, but my former pastor read the same comment and said, boom, like, boy, you stuck that in their face, didn't you? made me want to spit and kick rocks. I ain't kidding you. Tell them you can just have. That's what we're becoming. You can have my credentials. I'm out. This is my commentary. I'm going to write this in my book. I'm not in the Bible. This is just my book. Some preachers think if they're readily accepted by the world, that makes them relevant. Oh, that is what it means to have relevance. Listen, God said to me, acceptance of the world is total irrelevance to God. Hallelujah. And the Holy Ghost said, boom. God doesn't care if the world approves of him or not. It doesn't need, this gospel doesn't need, or is it fishing for the world's stamp of approval to be counted as relevant? The word of God is always relevant. Hallelujah. I feel God in this house. Faithfulness to God. Faithfulness to his word. Faithfulness to his will. Living in sincerity. Preach it in sincerity. The time will come when they're lost and they know they're lost. They're not going to ask some Mickey Mouse goofball to preach to them or pray for them. They've watched your life. They know you're different. They've seen your sincerity. They're going to ask you when they're sick and dying. Oh, we don't believe in miracles. We don't believe in healing. We don't believe in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and shouting. But you believe when they get cancer, they believe in it real quick. Would you lay your hands on me? Would you pray for me? I want God to heal me. This word is always relevant. Amen. As I walk in the train, in this triumphant, victorious march from Calvary to glory, chained to his chariot, immersed in the fragrance of Jesus Christ, I care not what the world may think. My song is victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. My testimony is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. I feel like I felt this morning. 
I feel like just doing me a victory dance. I feel what that little Hispanic man felt in Bradenton, Florida that made him dance down the center aisle. I'm chained to the chariot of Jesus Christ. I smell victory in this air. I feel joy in my soul. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Hallelujah to God. I think it's time for us to get our to get our burning lamps of testimony out. I think we should wave it as a wave offering back and forth before our God. Hallelujah. I think the Lord needs to smell. He needs to smell a fragrance of victory in this house tonight. Victory in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, you're worthy, 